4: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
5: And we begin the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas at South Point Casino. Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. Michael, happy Friday morning to you, sir. We got a great show in the docket for you today. Three of my favorites here at the network. Wes Reynolds, of course, is going to join us, try to get his, pick his brain a little bit about golf, all the things going on. And even the rumor, I don't know if you heard, Michael, that Charles Barkley... Might be going to Live Golf as a broadcaster. I, I,
6: I don't think it's a rumor. I I think Charles has made it very clear that he is going to sit down and visit with the people from Live, uh, and to see what you know they have in mind. And he's been quoted as saying, David, that he is uh, interested. That it would take an awful lot for him. He would ideally like to do Live Golf and. Uh, And the TNT gig that he has, whether that works or not, he's readily admitted that some of the advertisers that sponsor him may not want to be involved with the Saudis. So that could lose that. So I, I think he's open to all of it. And I, I don't think this live tour is going to go away. I mean, we're going to continue to see players upon players the shift over there. And much like the NC2A, I think unless the PGA has an answer, uh, I think you're going to continue to see the, the the players gravitate towards the money.
5: I think you're you're spot on. As you always say, it's always about the money. Charles Barkley is on record saying we've all taken blood blood money. Not everybody, but theoretically in the sports world, that's what he's getting at there. That'll be very interesting. David Faraday, uh, a very well renowned broadcaster, has already left uh, the PGA Tour, if you will, and is now going to be broadcasting over at Live Golf as well. Going to have Will Hill, the King of New York, join us in our number two. Baseball back in full swing here in the second half. We'll get Will's thoughts there and then we're going to ship up to boston for your buddy josh applebaum and see where the steam is headed here on a friday as well with josh so we got a lot to get to but Michael- team's
6: outside I, I don't know if the steam is ever in the betting markets but i know one thing it's outside it's 89 degrees at the jersey shore today there's a lot of steam going on out here and it's working both ways david it's working both ways
5: <laughs> i will tell you this uh, I, I called my brother, who's in upstate New York today on his birthday. And so I'm talking to my brother, and I, he says, what's the temperature there? And I said, well, it's, it's cool. And he said, what is that? I said, 90. And that was my drive into work today. And I, he's like, what? And I go, I go, Steven, every day when I go to work, if it's not 90, I'm stunned. I mean, that's the low. That The sun isn't yeah. even at full peak Vegas yet. So you get used to different levels of heat, but you're right. In the East Coast today, that is steamy for sure when you're already getting close up there to 90. I thought it was a fascinating conversation you and I yesterday had here in the Lombardi line as the news broke about Kyler Murray and his contract extension in Arizona. And, you know, you and I immediately started connecting dots as to what it would mean for some of the others out there, And we talked a little bit about Lamar Jackson, who obviously is in Baltimore. He and his mother are trying to redo his contract there. We'll see if something gets done. Um, but I want to stay in the Lamar theme for one second before we talk about some other tentacles for other quarterbacks. You know, Kyler, I don't know if he quote-unquote did it the right way because I thought you made a great point yesterday about Buda Baker when he got injured and Kyler wasn't out there with the rest of the team. Sometimes the body language doesn't look great and sometimes the performance is not great either in some of the bigger games and yet he is rewarded with this massive contract extension I think in Baltimore people look at Lamar and go well he's done it the right way he's won the MVP he's still showing up for work and he doesn't have a new deal does that does that actually affect contract negotiations because I think some might look at Kyler and go did he do it the right way but yet he's rewarded and others are going to go well Omar's doing it the right way and yet he is yet to be rewarded
6: well the only right way is to get paid right I mean that's ultimately how you get from A to B is ultimately the the, this you got to get paid right so the vehicle and the mechanism that you use whether it's a ransom letter with with clipped out from magazines of the letters so nobody can trace the handwriting or if it's just a, a normal negotiation what Lamar Jackson's going through. So either way, it's all you know, it's how do you get from A to B. But for me, David, as I take time to reflect upon this, I mean, Lamar, I, I'm not sure Lamar can't get a deal done. You know I think lamar 's been more of the not wanting to get a deal done and bobbing and weaving as opposed to sitting at the negotiating table because look, this is not a hard deal to do it 's really not I mean you know the great Stephen Bond, as he sits behind the desk and produces the show, could do this deal as he 's producing the show i mean it 's not that challenging right we know we know that the information is shared right We know Aaron Rodgers makes. On average, fifty million a year. We know he got one hundred and fifty million guaranteed, or one hundred and one fully guaranteed. Okay, we know Deshaun Watson got two thirty, and he makes forty six a year. Mm. All right. So now, what you do is you play this game. Are you better than Patrick Mahomes, who got sixty three fully guaranteed, one hundred forty one total, and forty five? Are you better than him? Are you better than Josh Allen, who got one hundred million fully guaranteed, one hundred and fifty guaranteed, and forty three? Okay, so all right, so let's say you're between Josh and Patrick Mahomes. There we're at 44. You know, let's talk about how much we're going to guarantee. We're we going to guarantee 150 million. We're we going to guarantee the whole thing. I mean, Pachadi, the owner of the Ravens, was one of the first people to come out and say the the Watson's contract was really hurtful for everybody in the league because of that player and that and and to give and to break the the funding laws, not break the funding laws, but sure. to to go against what policy had always been, the unwritten rule in the right. National Football League. So for me, you know, it's not a hard deal. I'm just not sure that Lamar is negotiating or the Ravens. Somebody's not really wanting to get this deal done. And we keep talking about it as if everybody wants to get it done. And for me, if it was going to get done, it would get done. It's not a hard deal to do. When you're, The hard deals to do are where do you place – Jimmy Garoppolo? Where do you place Ryan Tannehill? Where do you put Derek Carr? Mm. You know, like, where do you put these guys that are not, in the, not the top five players in the league and maybe they belong somewhere, you know, 18 to 20? Where do they get? What do they get? You know, That's, those are the hard deals. Those are the ones that are challenging. Yeah. This one isn't. I'm not saying he's a top five quarterback. He's won the MVP in the league. He, he changes the game by the way he plays. It's unconventional, but he does.
5: It's amazing to me that we kind of started off this offseason right after the Super Bowl, and the talk was Aaron Rodgers. Remember, it feels like 8,000 years ago now, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to get dealt. And then they gave him a new deal. He stays in Green Bay. We haven't heard a peep out of Aaron since, right? I wonder, does this really now, do the Justin Herberts, do the Joe Burrows of the world, do they now go, what about me? Does it impact – their future outlook as to do they then look at their agent and go wait I'm making what and and Kyler Murray is getting that like does that actually affect because I look at some of these future markets Michael and I go well I trust that quarterback and I just assume everything is harmonious we saw how dysfunctional it looked at Green Bay and now it looks like it's harmonious with Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers because he got paid because he got the new deal right
6: well it, do- it's it, look as as the as the great Arnold Rothstein said it, nothing says. Nothing says I'm sorry better than money, right? We know that, right? We know that. That's just fact, you know? Nothing says I'm sorry better than a nice stack of, of Ben Franklin's. <laughs> so that makes you happy, okay? Now, the other thing that, that, that I think we're focusing too much on Lamar, I think the guy to focus on is Russell Wilson. Oh, I think Russell Wilson is the guy sitting back there who is not happy with his $35 million per year, who thinks he's well underpaid, and was trying to get at 34 years old, he's got one more bite of the apple. Right? He's got one more bite of the apple. He's the same age as Matthew Stafford. A lot of people don't realize that. But he's got one more bite of the apple. And the apple can be really rewarding. It could be a $250 million contract for five years fully guaranteed at 50 a year. Whoa. So that's the guy to me. And I think a lot of this has been on delay because of the sale of the team. August the 9th, I think that the loaners will approve the Walton family and the, the Broncos will have new ownership. And at that point, I think then we'll see Russell Wilson get his deal done. To me, I'm not sure that Lamar wants a deal done. I know Russell wants one done because he kept nagging Seattle for a deal.
5: Right. By the way, plus 260 for Denver if you think they can win the AFC West with Russell Wilson in tow. So you really do believe – that that is something like if Russell wanted that in Seattle, couldn't get it, then they trade him, which felt like it came out of the blue for some, but that was because they weren't willing for whatever reason, right? Uh, it, does it sound like to you Seattle just wasn't ready to make the commitment that you think Denver will?
6: Well, I think, you know, like in a lot of relationships, right, you, you tend to – the longer you're together, you tend to nag one another, right? <laughs> you know, and I think that in this relationship – Russell was nagging them and they were nagging Russell Mm. and they got tired of the diva they got tired of the whole Russell Inc right they got tired of it all and you know I think that for John Schneider and Pete Carroll I think they just decided you know what we had a meeting with Jody Allen the new owner of the team transfer of ownership from Paul Allen the Microsoft the Microsoft founder and they just said okay now we know this for a fact John Schneider was loved Drew Locke coming out of college. He did. He loved him. Mm -hmm. You know, he really loved him. He wanted to draft him. It didn't get to it. He was upset that Denver got him. He believes in Drew Locke. He really thinks Drew Locke's going to become a good player for them. I don't. But he does, and I respect him. So there's a difference. And so when he had an opportunity to get a boatload of picks, plus a player he really wanted that he likes, even though a lot of people like myself don't see it that way, he feels like he's won the trade And now he doesn't have to deal with a huge problem, which is paying Russell 50 million when, you know, we weren't winning when Russell was making 35 million.
5: Mm. And that's, you know, sometimes and they get no offense in that deal as well. So you mentioned they get players that they like, whether or not other organizations value them as much. But the players, certainly the quarterback and tight end position that they like and you get picks and you don't have to pay Russell Wilson that money. Yeah, I can understand the logic then uh, if you're ready for that rebuild and we'll find out if Drew Locke really gets his second shot at starting because it didn't work out uh, in round number one with the Denver Broncos. That'll be very interesting. But those are the quarterback tentacles that we're talking about here with that new deal that was signed yesterday by Kyler Murray. When we come back, let's go down south because Rob Gronkowski is gone but they got a new tight end in Tampa. Is that going to be enough for Tom Terrific and company? Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here in Easton. The Sports Betting Network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of the month. Start up today, you're going to get VEASAN's Daily Best Bets, including Adam Burke's Daily MLB Best Bets, and NFL Preseason Coverage, Premium Articles on Golf, UFC, and NASCAR. So if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a Daily Best Bets email, every edition of points per Weekly, the use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at VEASAN.com summer. Back alongside Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line. And I guess the big news out of Tampa in this offseason was, of course, Tom Brady retiring. And then 40 days later, he's back. And then a strange thing happened. Rob Gronkowski said, Michael, I'm not coming back with Tom. And I think people thought, what? This has got to be just a ploy to not go to training camp. But Gronk says he's not coming back. Now, the team said, OK, we're going to call your bluff and we're going to sign Kyle Rudolph to a one-year deal. Does that close the door to you on a Gronk comeback? Or could they say, no, we got Kyle. This is great. But, Gronk, if you want to come back, wink, wink, the door is always open.
6: You know, it's always funny for me. And when Paulie Walnut's uh, Tony Sirico <laughs> just passed away, we spent a lot of time going over his memories. And one of the episodes that, that Tony and Paulie starred in was called Remember When. And Tony eloquently says, as they're sitting on the fishing boat, you know, remember when is the lowest form of conversation? Or they're sitting having dinner with with Beansy, and we, as a as a as a coverage unit, we always remember players when. Mm. Kyle Rudolph was a good player at one time. It's been a long time ago since he's been a good player. He wasn't a good <laughs> player last year at the Giants, right? Right. So like. What we do is we just remember the name of the player, you know, and and we forget the age of the player. We forget the the trajectory of the player. We forget the production of the player, you know, and what we do know is every year you got to prove it in the national football. You got to play good. Everything's earned. And, you know, I don't see Rob Gronkowski seeing as Kyle Rudolph as the guy who's going to bring me out of retirement. <laughs> I think the Bucks looked over the landscape of who was out there and he was the best choice of a lot of bad choices. And so they signed him and they have nothing to lose. You know, why right. not? Maybe they can get eight games out of him. Maybe they can get 10. What fans don't understand as an executive in the league, you're not thinking you're going to hit a home run on every hit. Right. All you're trying to do is get a couple singles. You're just trying to get the ball in play, you know. And so you're just trying to, you know, make sure that you can get, you know, a half a season out of somebody. And and if you can, that's great. But, you know, you, you're you not always going to hit the three run homer. Right. You know, he's going to enter his you know, he's going to be 33 years old next year. You know, and, and the past two seasons, he's missed games, which means he's got durability issues. You know, he's never averaged over 10 yards a catch as a career player. Mm. He's never averaged 11 in his entire career, (laughs) his entire career. So let's see. When you put things in perspective and you compare them to Gronk, you can't even make the well. Right. Kyle's there, so we're fine. No, it's not. No, no, <laughs> it's not even close. No disrespect to Kyle Rudolph. Sure. He went to the, you know, he went to Notre Dame, and we'll genuflect, and you know, and my father will put twenty dollars in the in the in the coffers this week at Mass <laughs> for the program. There's no doubt. But the reality of it is, is you know, it, it, it's the old. He he wasn't
5: good when he was good. <laughs> Right. He wasn't Gronk good. Absolutely. And, you know, Gronk's done something which I, I still kind of blows my mind. He took a full year off from the NFL. Then Brady goes down to Tampa. They reunite. And not only is Gronk close to being Gronk, you go back to that Super Bowl. He, you know, he was a pivotal cog in the machine to help take down the Chiefs in relatively easy fashion.
6: So like, well, they asked him to be a different player, though, David. So when he, when he was in New England, he had to do some on the line. He had to handle the bat. You know, he was asked to do a little bit more in the run game right. because they, they run the ball more. You know, when he got to Tampa, you know, he got like summer school. You know, <laughs> he could take a shirt off and he could hang out and he can go swimming at the beach and chase Linda Bosby show around all he wanted. You know, he could do whatever the hell he wanted to do, right? You know, and so he was a pass catcher and that fit his game you know but and it didn't take a, a toll on his lower body right but when you know when now when he was in New England that was harder and it's just really to me what we've seen is the evolution of the tight end position where there is there are big receivers i mean Travis Kelsey has kind of and and Andy Reid has manifested this position to where if Mike Dicka played today I mean, Mike Dickett wouldn't have to block anybody.
5: Right, and that's what he had to do back in his days, certainly in the Dallas Cowboys' days with Tom Landry. You know, I, I look at this, the kind of the profile of the Bucks, if you will, and y- you got to lay $6 if you think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's that's what Vegas is telling you. This is a playoff team. But when you look at it, the way you just broke it down, okay, they let O.J. Howard walk. He's not there. So Cameron Brate's there. Kyle Rudolph's there. But that's a drop-off from Gronk and O.J. Howard being in that tight end room. Then you got Godwin coming back off an ACL, a devastating knee injury. You're hoping he's the same guy. Mike Evans is a year older. You know, Leonard Fournette is out of shape. Are we starting? That's a shocker. Is that a
6: shock to anybody? <laughs> I mean, is that a shock? Everybody knows when you pay Leonard, you know, he's going to the buffet line. He's not going to the bank. Right. You know? I mean, so, like, you know that. I mean, look, I'm a fat guy, too. But, you know, I mean, it, it's the same thing. Right. You know, it's it's hard. But, but I think, look, there's a lot of moving pieces on this Bucks team, David. Right? And yeah. so, the one moving piece that that is actually fairly good for them is the fact that Who's their competition? Yeah, you know we know the West is is a little bit of up up evil because we don't know how good Trey Lance will be. We don't, you know, the mayor can he stay healthy in Arizona? Seattle doesn't have a quarterback, so the South, you know, the South is kind of is Tampa is you know, I mean, is Jameis Winston going to be the Jameis Winston who turns it over? What are they going to be like offensively? You know. And then the North, we know Green Bay is good. Minnesota's, to me, Minnesota's kind of a sleeper team because yep. I think they'll be different with, the, with Kevin O'Connell. But Chicago, Detroit, are they really? And then the East, you know, so I think the odds of them making it $6 is relatively cheap because how can't they be one of the seven?
5: But wouldn't you think, though, Michael, that if you were to lay these big numbers with Tampa, the best way to do it would be to win the South at minus three dollars because, okay, maybe the one challenge there would be the Saints because the defense and historically, for whatever reason, and maybe you can speak to this better than most why Tom Brady struggles against the Saints defense and Dennis Allen and what he, the way they play them, I don't know, but maybe you would know why that seems to be a bugaboo. But. I, I know a lot of people are banking on Jameis Winston. I'm not as much as high on the Saints offense with Jameis. We'll, we'll find out if he's healthy. He's coming off injury too, and when he's healthy, he's been a turnover machine. So I've got a lot of questions there. So to me, at minus $3, if I were to lay to the big number, that's the way I would play it because I just don't see Carolina and or Atlanta really being in this conversation.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I I would say to you, what happens if Baker Mayfield plays really well and wins a starting job? What happens if Christian McCaffrey, by God's will, plays in all 17 games? (laughs) You know, I saw Madden had him as a top three running back. I don't know how you can have him as a top three running back. He hasn't played in two years. He's played 10 (laughs) games in three in two years. You know, availability is as important as durability. No question. So for me, for me, I think to me, it's, it's you know, look, I, I can't predict work. I think Carolina is different than a lot of teams in the league in the sense that they are, they have some good players on their team. They're not, the, they're not Detroit. Right. You know, they're not Atlanta. Right, they've got a lot of good players on their team. They just need playing. They need some play production from two players that haven't been able to produce for them. The quarterback position, nameless player, and then McCaffrey, who they're paying all the money to, and he doesn't stay on the field.
5: I, you know, I look at it too, Michael, and I say, okay, this is all predicated on one thing, and that's twelve. Uh, what, what's Tom? Is he forty-five yet? I mean, like we just, it, it's it's amazing because he's played at such an extremely high level yeah. that at some point. God forbid! I'm out Yeah, Father Time's
6: going to win. Right. We know that he's undefeated. And and I think if you turn that chip in, if you sit there and hand that and that ticket to Thomas Gable, you're the what you're most worried about isn't that there is Brady's health. That's not it. That they're not, you that's know, it. That's what you're you're worried. That's the that you know. I think you should always ask yourself this question. And I think you, you do it in sports when you make a trade or make a draft pick. How what what could go wrong with this bet? Yes, right. Instead of thinking you're going to win the bet, tell me where I lose the bet. And you lose the bet at Brady Terrace's Achilles in week one of the season. Because Blaine Gabbert, all due respect to Bruce Arians, isn't going to come in and lead this team to a playoff. No. Right? (laughs) So, you know, so you got that problem.
5: I heard this, and I I want to get your quick thoughts on this before we get a break, that with B.A. stepping down, okay, that they've actually upgraded at the head coaching position. Now, I don't know (laughs) if this is a shot – that, like, Brady had to win the, the screaming match with B.A. halfway through the Super Bowl season and said, we're going to do it my way, and then my way got us to a Super Bowl. Is there any truth to that? Because I know that it seems odd that when Brady says, I'm coming back, then Bruce Arians said, I'm not.
6: You know, I think this. Uh, I, I think this. I think ultimately that you've got to understand that, that they're running Brady's offense right that they started out not and they eventually did and once they did they've started to win and after that november game they started to win so you know it's the cart before the horse i don't know but i know this it's all brady's show offensively and it's not bruce's and it it hasn't been Bruce for a while
5: absolutely not uh michael let's continue this conversation in the nfc south and let's take a, a closer examination of the Saints, because we look at them as the challenger to be to Tom Terrific in Tampa Bay. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on and the Sports Betting Network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 4700 Continuing the conversation here in the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. We are talking about the NFC South and Tampa Bay. And Tom, terrific coming back. Bruce Arians, of course, is gone. As they go ahead and change and go from defensive coordinator to head coach in Todd Bowles, the same thing is happening in New Orleans. We saw that Sean Payton has stepped aside, and Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator there in New Orleans, he moves up just like Todd Bowles to become the head guy in New Orleans. They feel like the logical challenger to Tampa, but I think, as you pointed out, Carolina has some pieces in place, so maybe keep an eye On the Panthers. But let's talk about the Saints here a little bit because I mentioned that Tom Brady, for whatever reason, seems to struggle against New Orleans. And I don't know if that really predates Dennis Allen and his defensive schemes there. But what is it about Dennis Allen's defense that's really given Tom problems here that we've seen in the last couple of years since he ended up in Tampa Bay?
6: You know, playing defense in the NFL is a little bit like pitching in baseball. I mean, you can be Nolan Ryan or some of the great pitchers of all time and have a fastball over 100 miles an hour, but eventually they hit it. Mm -hmm. So if you play nothing but man to man, eventually they're going to make plays on you. I mean, it's the great Bill Parcells line to Phil Simms. Hey, Phil. Bovaro's open even when he's covered. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, if you're playing man to man and you have the guys covered, you still you still could get beat. So what is most effective defensively, it's this. It's if I play 33% man, I play 33% zone, not zone Matt Eberflu zone, but zone match patterns, and then I play some zone man doll concepts where I'm blitzing and changing up. And what Dennis Allen does, he does all three well. Hmm. But he also does a great job of disguising what he's doing. He tries to make Brady not know where he's going with the football when he gets the shotgun snap or when he takes it from the center directly. He wants a little bit of confusion, a little bit of gray. And when he's able to create that gray, then all of a sudden it becomes it becomes harder for Brady to just start making plays down the field. And that's one of the secrets that I think he's had, and he's been very good at it. So, you know, for me, you know, I, I don't know when I when I watch this team, when I watch New Orleans and I see them against Tampa Bay, you know, I mean, they shut out Brady. They held him to 212 yards in one game. But, you know, the game that they played at home, you know, Brady – Brady threw the ball effectively. They ran the ball in that game. They ran for a buck fifty-two. Mm-hmm. And look- so they were willing to give them the run game. They weren't willing to let them have the passing. I mean, even in the game they won, they won nine the, nothing. The Bucks, the, the Bucks stopped them. I mean, the Bucks only ran for sixty-one yards in that game. Right. That was the difference.
5: I look at this team profile, and you know, I, I thought you were just spot on yesterday when we were talking about Arizona. And you look at the way Vegas kind of the numbers they set, and whether or not you should really believe in them. New Orleans, it's almost like I feel like I get conflicting data from what what the the markets, if you will, out here in Sin City are trying to tell me because plus 375 to win the South is not an outlandish number, right? To make the playoffs plus a dollar thirty-five. Well, to get over the win total of only eight and a half, and remember 17 game season now, to just go nine and eight plus a dollar. So I look at that, and I kind of go, I'm confused. Is this a 10-win team? Is this a 7-win team? team? Are we supposed to believe that Dennis Allen now with Sean Payton gone? And we look at Sean Payton, I think rightfully so, as an offensive genius in this league. He's gone, right? Drew Brees is long gone. And now we're turning it over to Jameis Winston coming off an injury. I, but Michael... David,
6: they won. David, they won nine games last year. And for all of Sean's greatness as an offensive coach, and I and I have great respect for Sean. I mean, uh, he was he got the. When I was in Philly, we hired Sean. I was part of that group, and I think the world of Sean. And I call him a close friend. However, that being said, his offense wasn't very good last year, no. and he'll be the first to admit it. You know, they were thirty second in passing. They were twenty you know, eighth in yards per attempt. They were thirtieth in third down. They couldn't get anywhere. Their average time of possession. And they took they were they ranked almost last in the league and the amount of plays it took to score you know so there was nothing urgent about what they did so and they still won nine games right and they still won nine games and they had a, a five game losing streak in the middle of the season against a bad Atlanta team against a a Philadelphia team against Buffalo against Dallas. I mean they couldn't beat anybody good, so I'm not sure that they can't go over if they just get consistent play out of the quarterback position. I mean last year it was a disaster. I mean when when they were able to get the seven games that Winston played, you know, they were five and two.
5: Yeah, and that's the thing. You remember I remember very well the Monday night game when Ian Book had to step in for Jameis and it looked like they couldn't get a first down. I mean, they look so inept. And I, by the way, I hope that's not the end of the, you know, I don't know, Michael, does this now scar? You know, it's like almost like a Nate Peterman situation in Buffalo, if you remember. And then he goes to, to the Chargers, throws the six interceptions and a half. And it's like people would then go, oh, that's, that's who he is for his whole career. You know, if Jameis Winston is supposed to resurrect his career, he can't turn it over at the volume that he's done. Now, he didn't do it last year until he got, when he got hurt, right? 14 and three. Those are great numbers for Jameis, at least when you look at touchdown and interception ratio. Look at the passer rating, over 100 and 102. So there's some things to really like there. Is this now going to be the trend for Jameis, but he does not have Sean Payton here? And that's who we got those numbers with.
6: You know, I think this. I think the other factor that we're not really weighing into all this as we evaluate some of the players here is the Camaro suspension that's coming. Yep. You know, and you take him out of their offense and you take his ability to average 9.6 yards per catch, you take his ability to run the ball, all of a sudden they're not the same offensive team. You know, and if they get Michael Thomas back well, there is, that's a big and question. they have Camaro, and they have Kamaro. I mean, those two players will make Jameis Winston a better player if he doesn't try to be a hero. What I mean, about- when you throw the ball to Kamaro, Kamaro has an unbelievable ability to make play. I mean, he's going to catch it, get first downs. Yeah. You know, and and then you don't have Michael Thomas. He's coming off of it. So now and now they've got other skill players that you could utilize. So I think it's kind of we're still in a wait-and-see mode on Jameis is because if he has good players around him, and he doesn't try to be a hero, there's enough there that they should win 10 games. I mean, they should. They're going to be a hard team to play. They're tough on defense. I mean, I think that's the one thing you got to give Mickey Loomis credit for. You know, they've done a good job. They lose Hendrickson, you know, who had a great season up Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati, and Davenport's now come in, and he's got to stay healthy, and Cam Jordan's still a good player. You know, and they've been able to get play out of their corners. I think their safety situation has vastly improved last year. You know, as much as I loved Malcolm Jenkins, he was at the end of the rope there. And it wasn't. They weren't getting a lot of range. They get mathau and they get Mayo. They put money in their safeties. Mm. And Demario Davis is still a good player, so... You know, I, I have, I'm I optimistic about them only because they won nine games last year with Trevor Simeon, God, percent, and <laughs> he didn't win a game.
5: No, exactly. And, again, you mentioned Michael Thomas. He's still on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list here, and he didn't play last year. And, and you know, you you get well, to this. He's, st-
6: he's not on that list any longer, David. Oh, he's so off the pup. What, okay. Uh, well, no, he's not off the pup. He uh, So once the season ends, everybody is – is basically just a for lack of a better term out there okay when you report to training camp that's when you get a new classification so when he reports to training camp and if he fails his physical on the day he reports then he goes on the physically unable to perform list because that injury occurred under the saint's eye okay okay so he's then he goes on pup it could be and they don't have to make a decision on the whether he's on pup until right before the opening weekend. So he could be on there for three weeks. He'd be on there for you know he could be on there for a month. So then, but I expect he's going to pass the physical. Okay, he should. It's been over a year. He should pass his preseason physical.
5: I was going to say if he doesn't pass it and he's put on that pup list, that's when I go wait a minute, you've had a whole well, year. Like, then, then I'd really... If
6: he's, not, if he's not working with the trainers or if he's not doing stuff off the side, if we
5: don't see him,
6: then you go there. I, I, you, sometimes these guys, they don't want to put him on the field too soon because they want to make sure that when they go on the field that that he's ready to go. Because once you once you put him on the field, you can't PUP him any longer.
5: Right. I, Michael, the other thing is they, they did draft Chris a Speaking of Ohio State receivers, right? So you got Thomas in there who's supposed to now be the sage... Alave feels like the guy that's going to be able to take the top off the defense, and Thomas, if healthy and is back to his old self, he's just a first down machine, right? So it could be a really nice compliment of Buckeyes out there on the outside for for Jameis Winston. How much is, is too much for a rookie? Because I felt like even C.D. Lamb in Dallas, you know, he had Amari Cooper and he had some other veterans there to kind of take him under his wing. How important is that going to be for a guy like Chris Olave before the expectations get out of whack?
6: Well, I think, you know, they still have – Callaway was one of their leading receivers last year, and you didn't mention him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was one of their better playmakers last year. So he's still going to be in the mix, right? And Taequann Smith is still going to be in the mix. So they're not going to overload Olave. And I think one thing we know about Landry, he's got to play inside. Landry will become their Marquise Colston. Okay. He'll play inside and run all those inside routes because that's where he needs to play. If he lines up on the outside, he gets eaten up. He can't break away. The strength of this team, though, David, is their offensive line. And that's where Mickey Loomis and, and Sean have done a great job. They've got two first round picks at tackle, two first round picks at guard, and a second round pick at center. It's
5: going to be fascinating because they do have, there are names, but it really is Michael Thomas. If he comes back to be Michael Thomas of old, that's a big if. That receiving core is going to look pretty deep all of a sudden. Yep. When we come back, Wes Reynolds is going to join us. We'll talk a little golf and then some. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here in v the Sports Betting Network. First inning is always unpredictable, but you can place a no-run first inning wager with confidence at BetMGM. Make a no-run first inning prop on any Friday MLB game, and if only one run is scored in the first, you're going to get your stake back in free bets up to $20. That's right. Simply place a single or parlay, no run, first inning bet, no runs in the first, no problem. You win. If only one run is scored, you get your wager back in free bets up to $20. So take big swings all season long with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks are used with permission Visit bedmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. Opt-in required. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, this is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And, Michael, it is always a pleasure to have my co-host on the Green Zone. Wes Reynolds joined the program. Wes, we're getting closer and closer to football season. I know you've been working hard on the newsletter with some conference previews, but you know, Wes, when you join the show, I have to ask you about golf to start off the conversation. And Michael and I began the program today talking about Sir Charles. Charles Barkley says, hey, everybody in sports has got blood money, so I'm going to sit down with Live Golf and talk about being a broadcaster At Live Golf, we've seen David Faraday, one of the most popular broadcasters in golf, already leave to go to Live Golf as well. Does this make a dent in the equation at all when broadcasters start going to Live Golf?
4: I mean, it's certainly a new story. I don't think it changes the balance in terms of guys' Flipping tours and whatnot. This, this whole thing is going to be decided on whether the, these guys are going to get world ranking points and whether the OWGR, which, oh, by the way, is governed by the RNA who uh, runs the Open Championship, decides to approve Liv's uh, uh, application for points in terms of doing the balance of power with the players. But, you know, I think, look, They've got the money to spend. And uh, the real concern, I think, with Charles here is that is he going to have to be exclusive? Mm. Is Liv going to have exclusivity over him? Because obviously, outside of, of course, the programming on v inside the NBA is about the best sports show out there. <laughs> and, you know, when, when when you have that magic that has won so many sports Emmys with Charles and Shaq and Kenny and EJ, and it's like, I don't want to break that team up. That's a great show, even that aren't nba fans love that show and make sure that they tune in for that show so i would hate to see it end like that and i know charles isn't the only rumored one i've been hearing gary mccord oh. may get back in the golf game uh, that they may reunite reunite him with david faraday but look uh i mean that's what they got to do to keep the buzz like You saw Henrik Stenson sign earlier this week. Does Henrik Stenson really do anything or add anything to that tour? Not necessarily. He's in his 40s. He's past his prime. That's what it was done for, though, was to mess with the Ryder Cup. To say, okay, we can get your Ryder Cup captain. And that's exactly what they did.
6: Uh, Wes, let me ask you this question. Who's next? You know, who's next? Is Cameron Smith next? Oh, boy. You know, I mean, they were asking him if the – it won the open i mean they were asking him if and he kind of deflected it but there was a lot of rumors about that
4: well he's certainly been rumored michael there have been a few others hideki matsuyama as well because supposedly maybe some sponsors maybe some golf equipment manufacturers mainly because a lot of these guys are losing endorsement deals for going over to this tour but they what they want to do is i think that they want to do this team concept which is a unique concept. They want to do this team of four concept, but maybe they want to put together like an all nationality type of team, like with all. Japanese players, of course, headed up with the contingent from Matsuyama, or they want to do all Aussie players, you know, Cameron Smith heading that up. So they're trying to, like, tinker with this format. But Cameron Smith's been rumored. Matsuyama's been rumored. A couple others went over this week. Jason Kokrak, Charles Howell III. So there are going to be more. It's just going to depend how many there are going to be. And look, once we get through next month when the FedEx Cup is done, and essentially the main part of the PGA Tour season is done. This is going to be arguably the most tumultuous offseason in the game of golf, at least in recent memory, because, you know, it may never be the same, you know, in terms of are these guys going to be eligible to play in the majors? How many more guys are going to jump? Is there going to be some kind of uh, summit or, or something like that, some kind of meeting of the minds here to see how they could work together? And I have no idea where it's going to go.
5: I think you guys just hit the the two biggest nails on the head, though, and that would be Cameron Smith, who just won the Open Championship, and Hideki Matsuyama, who won the Masters last year. These are not players past their prime. These are players in their prime. And if they do do go to Live Golf, and Wes, you just nailed it. It's going to come after the FedEx Cup. Hold on. This is going to be a wild ride to see what happens, but they've got to figure out something. And this is why you heard Rory McIlroy say, Hey, maybe we need to sit down at the negotiating table with Liv golf and figure this out. Cause you cannot exclude Cameron Smith's Hideki Matsuyama's insert name here into major championships and ultimately Ryder cups and president's cups going forward. Cause then the game of golf suffers, the fan base suffers and you will not get the best talent at the biggest events that golf has had showcased for decades. That is a subject we'll continue on uh, at another time. But let's get to some college football, Wes, because I know you've been uh, writing those up right now in the Visa newsletter. And I do want to start with the ACC and what you see there, because, you know, you see the expansion going on in college football. And we understand that the SEC is still the top dog. But the ACC, they say, hey, we got a really good product. What do you see on paper? Is it a good product that they're going to put out there this year?
4: yeah, it's a good conference. I think obviously, we're looking a couple years down the road and thinking maybe some of these schools are going to get picked up, and we with the ACC as we know it isn't going to exist because we know what we've seen this summer with USC and UCLA now coming to the Big Ten. The Big 12 is trying to expand. The Pac-12 is trying to survive or find a dance partner at least to have a merger with. The Big Ten is not done expanding, but just looking at this year with the ACC, a lot of people in the Atlantic division, by the way, this is the last year they're doing the two divisions, Atlantic and Coastal, a lot of people anticipate, okay, Clemson, water's going to find its level, and maybe it does. The defense, I think, is still going to be very good even though they lost Brent Venables they've got arguably the best defensive line at least certainly Dabo Swinney thinks though so, that they've got the best D line that they've ever had but it's going to come down to this quarterback you got a new offensive coordinator by the way because Tony Elliott goes and takes the Virginia job so Brandon Streeter the former Clemson quarterback in the late 90s mm-hmm. gets promoted to offensive coordinator and of course a uh, DJ way uh, you know had that great game against Notre Dame a couple years ago and it's like oh man this guy's the next Trevor Lawrence and then all of a sudden when he became the starter and he became the man the decision making just wasn't there because maybe he was thinking too much because remember that game against Notre Dame where it's like he just kind of got thrown into the fire because Trevor Lawrence was out and he just made plays because he wasn't overthinking but he's got some pressure too because Cade Kluvnik uh, the kid out of Austin Westlake High School five star kid Maybe this is a Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant situation from a couple years ago. So that is going to be interesting because DJU is going to get pushed down there. Uh, But Clemson, I think, is still the favorite in the Atlantic. NC State, though, is getting a lot of hype here in the offseason. Ten returning defensive starters might be the best team Dave Doran's ever had. And then Devin Leary, I think, finally came into his own. He's a Jersey area kid, so I'm sure Michael knows about (laughs) him. Finally playing like that high recruited player that they got three years ago
6: you know i mean the one thing i think nancy state has always been able to do is they've done a good job of recruiting they've done a good job of of being just close enough to kind of make it so that you know you are really in belief that you know they, they can contend and they've put a lot of guys in the national football league but for me clemson DJ to me this is a make or break this is we're going to find out if he is a legitimate pro prospect because if he can't hold off a young freshman or he doesn't show the kind of development that I thought he needed to show because he's got size he's got he's got all the things you want but to me it just hasn't showed up on the tape and then the other team that you didn't talk about which I'd be interested to see are the Hurricanes, where are they with Tyler Van Dyke and Cristobal with his new offense and his new team and all these great recruits he's, he's been able to uh, 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 accumulate?
4: Yeah, Michael, I would make them the favorite actually in the Coastal. The Coastal is, by the way, very wide open. You have Miami. You have Pitt who got it done last year. I think North Carolina may be on a little bit of the decline. They kind of really disappointed last year. And that's what NC State's got to watch out for. So they're not the Tar Heels of last year. But you're right about Miami. I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to end up perhaps as a first-round draft pick. It's a much deeper quarterback draft last year. And I think once they went to him, that team showed a spark on offense because I think they put all their eggs in De'Eric King's basket, and then he got hurt. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to save Manny Diaz's job necessarily, so they bring in Cristobal great recruiter. He brings in Josh Gaddis from Michigan. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. But one thing they've got to do, I think the offense is going to be good, but they brought Kevin Steele, who's a longtime veteran defensive coordinator, and they brought him in. They've got to clean up some issues down there. They've got to be better tackling. They miss so many open tackles, and they got to be a little bit tougher. And that's what Miami always was back in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, they were flashy, but they were tough, and they got to show that this year.
5: Oh, Wes, you're speaking my language right there. Bring back 80s Hurricanes football. I miss those good old days. Wes, appreciate you, man. Do a great job across the network. Thanks, we'll catch up again soon.
6: Thank you, You bet, Wes. guys. Thank you.
5: There he is, everybody. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Reynolds one Come on back. Hour number two of the Lombardi on Avisa, the sports betting network.